0: Ro, here we are, man. The, uh, the, is it inaugural? I can never say that word. Inaugural. Right. Yeah. You're putting the
1: the emphasis on the wrong syllable.
0: Yeah.
1: Precisely. I am happy to be here with you, my friend. I hope that we can do first though, a little kind of like a, an outtakes reel of us trying to set up the technology simply to record
0: our voices (laughs) and give to the world. I mean, we're, we're (laughs) professional media people, right? This is what we do for a living. And the, the calamity and the chaos that has revolved around us trying to just simply record audio so that the world can use it has been <laughs> more than I wish to admit to anybody.
1: It's worth sharing. I think we could we could fill an entire hour. So uh,
0: it begs the question: What 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 are we doing? Why are we doing this? What's happening? Oh man, I think this is just once again a very evil ploy as us to have fun but disguise it as work and somehow earn a paycheck. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how this I don't know how this happened, but I loved. I love talking to people, interviewing athletes and affiliate owners over the years with Crossfit it's been one of the most favorite things that I've done, but sadly it, there's usually a bit of a time constraint. It's usually yep. it's going to be a 5 to 7 minute, you know, Skype video or this or that. You don't really get the opportunity to go long and just dig in and have some good conversations. So this podcast format, I am selfishly very excited it's just going to give us some opportunities to see what makes athletes tick, uh, affiliate owners tick. Basically, anyone who falls under the term CrossFitter, I don't care if you finished last in the Open, didn't compete in the Open, we could potentially have you on the show if you have an interesting story.
1: Absolutely. There's, there's millions of people doing CrossFit around the world on a daily basis. CrossFit Games athletes who are um, excellent and amazing in their own realm of competition, but also very cool people. Like you said, high people who are um, high-powered business owners, mm-hmm. uh, CEOs, or just people who have actually changed their lives. They're not at the CrossFit Games, but they've lost a tremendous amount of weight. They've done uh, just amazing things for themselves in terms of uh, uh, bringing themselves out of mental holes and, and uh, overcoming massive hurdles. And there's just, we don't really get to hear from them all the time. And this allows that as well. And like you said, we live in these sound bites. You're on CBS, and you've got one minute and thirty seconds to get through an entire, right. you know, segment of competition. Here, we can kind of relax it a little bit, get dig in, and really hear what
0: people have to say. And the community, the community needs us. Okay, <laughs> let's 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 get down to it. I mean, this isn't over a decade, fifteen years ago, when there were some athletes in Santa Cruz doing it. Two crazy spec ops guys somewhere else, and a firefighter. I mean, we've got. Over 14,000 affiliates around the globe, which means we have every segment of every everything in society, and we hope to represent them in one way, shape, or form. And this is the perfect format for it.
1: Okay, I think we've talked about ourselves enough. We've been going, been running, running our gums, running our gums for about three minutes. We um, have a guest on the show. Thankfully, it's not just you and I, and uh, (laughs) he is a four-time Games athlete well-known to the community, and uh, had his best finish this year in Madison. Noah
0: Olson, welcome aboard. We caught up with Noah at his
1: home in Miami, and uh, of course, as everyone knows, unless you're living under a rock right now, Hurricane Irma just came through and almost basically hit those guys on the nose or or, uh, punched him in the face, as some of the local uh, government has been calling it there. So Noah talks about the hurricane. I thought it was really cool, the conversation we had about his uh, his mental game as well and then we dug into some other personal stuff i'd never even heard these stories before no
0: he's one of those characters that is potentially used to be a little bit misunderstood you know the thought he had a big chip in his shoulder and this cocky kid from florida was coming on the crossfit scene and there's a whole heck of a lot more to him than most people realize.
1: Yeah. So stick with it. We took a little bit while to warm up and then we got into this year's games, a little bit of a debrief. He answered some questions. He was extremely honest and and, uh, really, really giving of information. So I enjoyed this talk with Noah Olson and Pat. Um, We hope you guys enjoy it as well. And without further ado, here is our conversation with Noah Olson. hey Noah welcome to the show thank you guys so much for
2: having me excited for round one
1: yeah baby no, number one dude uh yeah no 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 pressure uh, on any of us right to uh, to make this fantastic
2: yeah man that's cool it's like the pilot episode of a TV show so hopefully it takes off and keeps going
1: um so I, I dude I first and first and foremost on my mind like it looks just from the uh, I've seen your living room in videos and in, in some documentary films but it looks like it's a beautiful sunny day there but you guys just been through the ringer in uh, in Miami
2: it is, yeah. The weather has cleared out, but uh, Hurricane Irma kind of passed through here about a week ago and just left behind, luckily, only a bunch of debris. And that's the extent of, for the most part, what I've seen kind of in our Miami, South Florida area. Not too much damage beyond that. And we're back to the uh,
0: incredible heat. <laughs> <laughs> but what what was it before that, Neil? Because for the rest of the country, like I'm way up here in Washington State, I would just... Get these little updates on my phone casually as you know my life was continuing as normal. Were you guys in a evacuate the city kind of a mode, or just hey, this we think it's going to be just a really bad rainstorm? Yeah, I mean,
2: honestly, like our entire lives for that probably week and a half revolved around this hurricane. It was like every day checking updates on where the path had gone. And it started off a little bit less than that. So it was just kind of like, oh, there's a hurricane that could potentially be coming our way. And then it started to pick up in speed. It was a category five, like one of the, they were saying it was a record hurricane. No hurricane had held winds at 185 miles an hour for as long as this one did. And they had it projected to make landfall like the eye right over Miami. And so people were kind of scrambling, just figuring out last minute preparation. Cause that can really do damage. A category five can like rip roofs off homes and like really injure people. Um, so we here were just preparing. We put shutters up on all of our family's houses and we're kind of waiting till it got a little bit closer to figure out what we were going to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, it it got down to, it was Friday morning. I think that they, as, as I guess it gets closer, they have a little bit more of a sure idea of where it's going to go. And on Friday morning, at 5 a.m., we woke up and on the news it said that it was gonna be like a direct hit on Miami. And so my girlfriend and I were really torn on whether or not we wanted to leave because both of our parents were gonna stay. And
0: oh, they were gonna ride it out.
2: They were gonna ride it out because they have like big, sturdy homes, which they invited us to. We're just in an apartment, but um, we said, you know what? Let's just it's it'll pass over in a day. We're gonna go over to the West Coast because it looks like that's gonna be a lot less impactful over there. So we got in the car and we drove to Sarasota. To my friend Mike's house, we're hanging out there all day, helping him put some shutters up Lo and behold that evening, they said it had switched and was going to like basically wrap around the bottom of Florida and come right to where we had just gone. So the next morning, we just hopped in the car and headed right back to Miami. And I heard that rode it out here, and luckily, like I said, nothing crazy.
1: Yeah, and people, I mean that, but that was a lot of people had your same story. So, like, was it just yeah. carnage in the streets because you're like, okay, yeah, let's go to the West Coast, and then all of a sudden, this thing switches and it's chasing you, and you had to yeah. basically evacuate back to the other side. Um, what, what was the scene like on the streets,
2: man? Somehow we had no traffic up and back. I don't know. if <laughs> I think we were probably a little late to leave. So a lot of other people had already evacuated by the time we went. And then on the way back, we were probably some of the first ones that were like, you know what, let's just come back to Miami. Cause it's going to be okay over there. So we didn't hit traffic, but I know a lot of people went North. They just tried to get as North as possible. So up to Orlando, Jacksonville, Atlanta, and they had a tough time getting back. I'm
0: curious about the human nature, right? Because I always feel that things like this bring out the best and the worst in people. So I saw one of your Instagram stories where you like in a long line of cars trying to get gas. Like, was, was everyone being nice and courteous or was there like mad fights and get the hell away from that last bottle of water? I need it for my family. Like, What was it like?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think beforehand it was a little bit more chaotic, a little more panic where people were just trying to keep themselves safe and make sure that everything was taken care of. So there were a couple little mini tiffs here and there. People were like in the gas line. People were yelling and definitely not yeah. happy, just kind of panicking. On the flip side, after the storm, it was actually really cool to see communities come together. And like it was funny as people were opening their doors when the storm was over. Neighbors that you never say hi to were all waving to each other, checking on each other, helping people clean up. So it was a little row reversal there, which was kind of nice.
1: It's amazing how um, something something of that nature, you know, it, it'll bring a community together, right? Um, yeah. Not not always tragedy necessarily. I just read a, a book called Tribe, um, and it talks about kind of the, the human desire or or need to have that, and and how. Uh, Tight knit communities, um, You know, people, for example, who go to war together, um, they have a hard time when they come back to a, a less chaotic society because it's, it's a little more disconnected and you don't have that, that sense of togetherness, right?
2: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it, it's kind of like CrossFit, right? Like you finish a CrossFit workout and everybody's going around high fiving. It's kind of like, hey, we survived. We did that together. We went through that same pain and suffering. And so I think the hurricane was similar to that. Like everybody opened their doors and high fived. Like, hey, we made it. We're good. And you were actually
0: able to use some of your now CrossFit notoriety, if you will, social media influencer and whatnot to actually try to reach out and help some people. You know, what was, what you were donating? Was it a games jersey, you and a couple other athletes to help out? That was in, I mean, out in Texas.
2: Yeah, man. So that was prior to the whole Irma madness. There was Hurricane Harvey, which went through like the southern part of Texas. I think Houston was what everybody is seeing as the damaged area. But, uh, it was actually that same friend of mine that we went to stay with, Mike Kolb, who owns the company Xworks. works And uh, he had the idea of, do you, are you interested in doing a little fundraiser? I think we could probably put together some products was how it started. Like, see if you can get a couple of your sponsors to donate some stuff. We'll do a raffle and all the money we, we raise, we'll donate to a foundation that's going to help those guys out. And that slowly, or not slowly, actually quickly snowballed and, and we started getting a lot of uh, people donating and a lot of attention. And decided hey why don't I just reach out to a bunch of these guys that are CrossFit Games athletes are friends of mine and see if they want to get in on it and one by one we got jerseys from a bunch of my friends uh I don't know I'm just going to randomly list off some I know I'll forget some but we had Sarah Sigmund's daughter Brooke Wells Jacob Hepner, um Camille LeBlanc uh myself Travis Mayer Travis Williams just a ton of people said you know what I want to get in on this action and uh we were able to raise just shy of thirty-five thousand dollars to awesome. donate to the, yeah, that foundation out there. You caring. It was J.J. Watt, the football player, was just helping people out in Houston. So I was really happy with how that turned out.
0: Good for you, man. A good, a good use of social media. That warms my heart.
2: <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, it's cool. I, I mean, if we have this influence for this short window of time, I would like to be able to use it for some good.
0: And
1: then uh, w- what happens? Like, do you have, do you have say over that? Or is that, that, that goes to that organization? You guys kind of trust that they're going to, they're going to distribute it in a, a matter that makes sense.
2: Yeah. I, I think that that's the way it goes down is, uh, it just the, the raffle company writes a check to that foundation. And we did research ahead of time and it looked like out of a lot of the nonprofits that that was the one that was kind of making the most direct impact and just handing funds right to help those guys out. So
0: awesome. Yeah. It, it, you mentioned an athlete I'd never heard of, Travis Mayer. Travis Mayer. Is he a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if you heard of him. He's, he's only been to the games
2: four times. Uh, he's actually, he's going to be my partner for the team series, so... That's a dynamic duo right there. How did that partnership align? It's going to be cool. I'm excited. I think he and I could make for a pretty good team. We both are on the training think tank program, and Max Haas is our coach up in Atlanta, and... Uh, so Travis and I have been training together a bunch throughout this season, leading up to the games, and decided at the games that we would partner up for that. And we have two very—I uh, kind of—I want to say—very different skill sets. We're similar in some regards, but different in a lot of others. Like he's a very, very strong deadlifter, rower, wall baller, and those are probably three of my weaker movements. I'm a little bit better at like the crossfit gymnastics, uh, some of that other type of stuff. So I hope our forces combine and we can kick some team series but
1: are you, are you guys um are you friends outside of the gym or how, does this come about because you've got sponsors who are the same or or are you guys actually i never know like what athletes actually hang out outside of the games right. you know what i mean like because yeah obviously we put you into this mix and we say and and you're all friendly and you get along while you're there but i'm curious like are you guys bros outside of the competition
2: yeah travis and i have become friends a lot more throughout the season and it's funny because they used to up at training think tank travis's gym CrossFit Passion, I guess, hosts all the coaches at Training Think Tank. And apparently they used to pit me against Travis all year. Yeah. They would just like add fuel to the fire and say stuff about my times. And I did this and I did that. And so I think <laughs> Travis had this like little mini hate uh, for me inside of him, but that has slowly uh, fizzled away. And now we're, we're good buddies and Actually, um, I am considering moving up to Atlanta just for this season to really dial in everything with Travis and Max, and so that could be a big move.
0: Oh, no kidding.
2: Yeah, it's uh, just the timing makes sense, you know, I I decided after this season that I want to just give it my all, you know, I was pretty close to getting to where I wanted to be, and I think I need to take that next step to get there. And uh, my girlfriend, Joanne, is in an awesome position where we have a little bit of freedom to move for this season and see how it goes. So I think we're going to jump ship and try it out.
0: And to educate the viewers at home who might not be as much of a CrossFit fanatics as some others, you said you were very close to being where you wanted to be or getting what you want. I'm going to go ahead and assume you're talking about the 2017 you know, Reebok CrossFit Games. What, what, was just, what was that goal that was just so close? You know, I think that
2: all of us as CrossFit Games athletes go into the games with this like uh, mystic, like win the games um, as, as your your main goal, right? And some people believe that they can do it. Some people don't believe. Some people don't really put their belief either way. It's just kind of like this uh, this fantasy. And uh, and I I got relatively close man i i, I want to win the games and i want to be the fittest on earth and that's been my goal since i started doing this stuff but um i think to get on the podium just as a, a general rule is a another pretty big goal up there and i was going into the final day of competition in second place so right there holding on to that podium spot and uh got very close but not close enough i ended up finishing fifth
1: so I think I, you know, it's interesting to a bunch of stuff that you said, but w- one thing in particular, I don't believe that everybody thinks that they can do it. And I don't think that everybody goes into the CrossFit games thinking that and like, right. it's a it's, uh, generous of you to say that, but I don't, and I respect that you do have that belief. And, uh, after, you know, this was year four, right. Yep. And you came as close as, as you've ever been at one point, uh, even on, in that podium spot. And I, uh, we don't have to relive the whole games, of course, but you mentioned two specific things on your Instagram post um, in your kind of debrief of the games, and I'd love to talk about that. Your lessons learned from from what I saw were um, the snatch event and the final. Yeah, and I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear you speak to. Well, I mean, we could, uh, let's talk snatch first. These these are kind of your lessons from the games. Like, what, what if you had it to do over again, what would you change?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I think that every year at the games, everybody, whether you're Matt Fraser who won by a landslide, like he probably still looks back and says, "Hey, I there are some things that I need to fix up in there." And so um, I did have my best year ever, but of course it uh, wasn't perfect. So there were a lot of little things in there that could have gone a little bit better. Some things that went better than I would have expected. And a couple of the things that that you just mentioned that I thought I could have done a little better on, um, like you said, on the snatch, just taking chances. I kind of played the conservative route and that having two attempts at a max lift is a little uh, dicey nerve. Yeah, it's dicey. That's a good way to put it. And I wanted to open up and make sure I hit something that was going to if I missed my second one, I was at least going to have a good spot on the board. But then if you happen to miss, yeah, I don't know. And then the the second attempt, I thought, all right, I got the first one in the bag. Now I can either let that sit there as like a, a lower to middle score and go really big and hope that that pays off, or I can put something in between that low to middle score and that really big payoff. And I kind of went with that in between, which uh, 273 pounds is what I hit on the snatch and my best error is 288, so 15 pounds off of my best. And looking back, I feel like I probably should have gone for something a little bigger and gotten a, yeah. possibly a top 10 versus I think I took 20th, maybe something like that.
0: Quick question before we go to the, the second lesson learned because I want to know about the snatch. To the audience and the viewers at home, which camp is it in? Is it, okay, this is, you know, I'm so beat up from everything that I've done before that this weight that I'm lifting feels far heavier than it normally does in training or is it the crowd the lights the adrenaline and it feels not that bad you know and just happen to miss a lift or not which which camp are you in
2: um you know it was it was really neither of those I was just kind of thinking like playing the numbers and what I'm used to hitting in training definitely uh, a little bit fatigued going in but it wasn't something where I was warming up and thinking oh man this doesn't feel good I don't know if I'm going to be able to hit those And once I got out there, it kind of was. I I guess I didn't in the moment process as well as I could have that that first lift felt really, really good because I probably should have more in the moment been like, all right, that was really easy. Instead of making a 10 pound jump, I can probably handle a 15 or a 20 pound jump. But I had already kind of gone in with the two numbers that I wanted and I didn't let the feelings in the moment change those numbers. Whereas maybe in the future, I could kind of go by feel and hit something a little bigger and who came up with the numbers you or your coach a little bit of both we had talked about it beforehand and um i had i had a couple numbers and we were cool with them and then i started doubting myself i don't remember i don't remember exactly what it was but there was something i don't know if it might have been physical but where i was like man maybe i think i should open up a little lower i don't know if i'm gonna hit i think i was gonna go for 266 to open and then i started thinking no i should go 257 play it safe and then make a bigger jump and and my coach was like I don't think that uh 257 is going to be good enough even if you if you only hit that one I think you need to go a little bit bigger gotcha. you're going to hit one of the two so yeah we we kind of bounced the ideas back and forth off each other but ultimately I guess it was my decision
1: It was interesting actually uh you know Matt Fraser's been here for a couple of days and um he he was talking about the same event and he was tripping out cuz he said by the time we were going to take the floor there was there was already at least 7 dudes who had hit 275 ish yeah Whereas he was like before, I, before the event happened, I thought that was going to be the upper limit of where people were. Yeah, I mean, you knew there'd be like the odd three hundred here, and somebody's going to hit a big number. But um, if you wanted to get into that top ten to advance to the next thing, there was a that has to get into your head too, seeing what the guys in previous heats have done.
2: Yeah, definitely. I remember a lot of people beforehand saying, if you hit above two seventy five, that should be good enough for top ten, and it wasn't quite this year. So, and I mean, it's just going to keep getting better and better. We know that data from. Over the years, everybody's getting stronger.
1: So, um, okay, so there's the snatch. Second lesson that you mentioned, and there could be more that we could explore, but uh, you specifically mentioned in the final. This was only on the a,
2: lunge. yeah, this was only a small one, and it wasn't It wasn't significant enough that it would have changed. It actually may have uh, put me from fifth to fourth, because I think there was a really small spread between myself and Vellner, but I, I kind of got lost in the moment, and I would say for the most part, on workouts, I haven't at the games been time capped, right? So that's not usually a concern is like trying to beat the clock. It's usually you're going to finish and you're trying to kind of race the people around you. Mm -hmm. So on the final workout, I didn't really, I wasn't as conscious of the fact that it was a six minute cap and that I might not finish. So when I picked up the kettlebells to start the lunges and I just saw the finish line, rather than thinking, okay, I need to beat that clock. I was thinking, okay, I need to make it to the end. And if I want to do that, I think I have to put it down one time. And when I did put it down that one time, and I happened to glimpse over and see the clock and see that there was only like 12 seconds left, I felt like smacking myself in the head. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I definitely could have kept going for another 12 seconds. So that was just kind of a quick, silly little mistake that I think cost me a couple points and maybe one placement.
0: But that's experience, right? I mean, that's how, you know, experience comes from potentially making mistakes or bad decisions. That's how veterans gain experience. So that'll be lessons learned for the next time. And I'm curious, the two events that you brought up stuck in your head, but to to the casual observer that went back, checks out the leaderboard, those might not be the two that would jump out at most people, right? They would say, oh, man, Noah was crushing it. He was crushing it. You know, he was second place entering the Madison triplet. And then you took twenty six on that dropped to fourth place, still you know dropped to fourth, still did great overall, and you had an i g post about how running is going to be more of a priority in the off season. was that was it just a didn't pay enough attention to the running, heading up to the games, or did something else hit you in the Madison triplet?
2: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what that was there, but I do know that looking at the way I performed on that one, I think that I might have been a little heavy this year going into the games. I, I came into the games at like 197, which is the the most I've ever weighed. I'm only 5'7", and uh, I last year at the games, I think, it was 185. So I put on some weight this year, not really intentionally, maybe a little bit, but one of my priorities throughout the year was kind of barbell cycling and repeated barbell back-to-back stuff. And I definitely did put a, a, a bit of time in on running, and I improved my 5K time, so...
0: Because you're not a bad runner historically, are you?
2: Right, no, and that's another thing that I, I have had some exceptionally fantastic running workouts that I right. surprised myself on, and I think I kind of let those get in my head, like, all right, I'm a, I'm a good runner, I guess, based yeah. off experience, um, but I don't know if just everybody else is getting better at running, or, <laughs> or I was a little heavy and slow, and I don't know what it was, but... Um, I'm
0: almost positive. I got to go back and watch the CBS shows again. So I'm almost positive I had you as one of my picks for people to watch <laughs> on, on that event. I was like, "No, Olsen, man, he's going to hit this thing. He's going to run away with it. I was like,
2: what? What just happened? I, I wish, yeah. I actually, if I'm sure you're going to bring this up next. I would have picked myself on the next workout, which yeah. was the interval workout with yeah. the rope climbs, skier, and the overhead squats. And I think that really is like, the crux of that whole games experience for me this year uh, that one was one that i was actually really excited for because i had dropped down to fourth i thought all right this is my chance to get myself back up there this is a great workout for me i right. love overhead squats are one of my favorite movements rope climbs as well i've historically i guess if you want to say in, in competitions whether they're the games or regionals or local competitions i've done really well in rope climb things i feel very confident in that movement. Um, And little did I know that my grip was just destroyed, I guess. And I think round two and three, I just, I started to feel it and was like inside my head, just pleading with, I don't know if it was my body or or what, but just like, no, no, please. Like I could feel that numbness in my hands coming. Felt
1: it coming. Yeah. Yeah, man, and I
2: was just praying that it would I would be able to hold off for the, the final two rounds. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to. I think the first round, I had the, the lead on the overhead squats by one rep, came back. Second round was just right there in the mix. I think it was myself, Matt, and Fikowski. Third round, I, I really started feeling it on the first rope climb. Barely made the second one. Just really fell behind the pack on the overhead squats. I don't even know if I actually got to the bar on that third round. And then on the fourth round I was climbing up the first rep and my hands were just like, I don't know. You guys know the feeling when you like can't squeeze a fist. And, um, I reached to go touch the top. And so only one hand was holding the rope along with my feet and that hand just gave out. And before I could touch the top, I slid all the way down. And I kind of knew right then that it was quote, it was over, you know, um, that my chances of getting up on the podium were probably pretty slim if I was falling that far behind the pack in that moment. And uh, I I still, I didn't want to give up. And I thought, you know what, if I can get one more rope climb, even if I don't get to the barbell, maybe there were five other guys in other heats that I didn't see that didn't finish. And uh, so I squeezed my legs and hands and somehow made it all the way to the top, touched and then pretty much just slid but kept my hands on the rope until I got below the black line and shredded the skin off. Like five of my fingers had huge scabs on both sides of my legs from pinching the rope, and uh, it wasn't quite enough to hang on to that top three spot, but I don't know. So
1: it wasn't It wasn't until after that event that mentally or during that event that you thought maybe it's over. You did not go into the intervals thinking like, um, doubting yourself, and I and I uh, quite honestly don't remember where I heard this, but I but uh, somebody maybe maybe even Castro said you seemed like you maybe mentally defeated, but maybe that was after two 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 three, and not before.
2: Yeah, no, it was quite the contrary. I think that I mean I was a little bit bummed that I didn't do as well on the Madison triplet, but I was pretty fired up for the intervals because again those are are movements that I really enjoy and uh, didn't expect it to go down that way. So after that one, I was kind of like. I don't know, I was battling back and forth, like, I don't even want to go and do this last workout, man, I blew it and blah, 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 and a bunch of influential people in my life, like my girlfriend and my coach and Guido came and talked to me and just really got it in my head to go out there and finish strong so that I wouldn't regret not giving it all I had at the end and was able to do so and got myself into fifth place, which is probably that was probably like my third tier goal for the weekend was Number one goal was win the games. Number two goal is get on the podium. And then number three, I wanted to try to finish better than I ever had before. And eighth is what it was in the past. So top five is the best it has been yet. But for me, not quite good enough. Do
0: you respond well? And I haven't been in that position, so I'm genuinely curious. You know, you said you went into the final day for the first time being like, man, this is something I can do. I can win. You know, I got a shot at this, at least on the podium. You see it fall a bit on the Madison triplet. Hey, no worries. I can come back. Two events left. The two, two, three. You know, bang. That goes poorly. Took took 38th. Now you're in this mentally low place. When you're there, do you even want to hear from your coach, your girlfriend, whoever? Are you just like, hey, give me some space. I I just need to get my head right. Or do you get picked up by other people in those moments?
2: It's probably a little bit of both. I think at first it's like. Like you just need to go do your own thing and you wanna shut everything else out, but then they are there to kinda of slowly pull you out of that. At least that's what I feel like it is for me. If if I don't have them there telling me those things, I'll probably stay buried in that hole and just in this really in, in a funk, I guess, and I don't perform well like that. So having them there to pull me out of that is definitely helpful.
1: So how much of that, you know, I think I think a lot of uh a lot of magnification has been put on the mental game of crossfit right the crossfit games and i think that truly at least for me when i was younger it kind of came naturally when you get older you start focusing on these things a little bit more um but particularly like in the women's race like Catherine david's daughter the, the ben bergeron camp like they're known for this um even even mental practices and things like that do you incorporate any of that or does the mental part of the game come naturally to you does that does that make sense yeah
2: I I do think that it definitely has become a, what's the word? It's not a cliche or taboo, but that's definitely something that people talk about more often these days is the mental. The soup du jour? Yeah, sure. Whatever that means, that (laughs) sounds about right. um,
1: (laughs) The training du jour? Yeah. 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 I
2: I definitely got wrapped up in that last year and thought that it was really important, started reading books and... uh, started working with like a sports psychologist. And I I think that it was too much. Like it changed me. It kind of changed who I am as a person and a competitor a little bit. And I tried to go out and be this like perfect athlete up in the mind and be calm. And, and I don't know. And it just wasn't really natural. You know, I had done well up to that point, just being who I was. So I, and, and I'm not saying that who I was, was perfect at all. There's definitely stuff I could work on, but I got a little too wrapped up in it. And this year, I think the small things that I did to help with the mental side of things, just with confidence in general, came a lot from working with Max Alhaj, the new coach that I've been with, and uh, doing like a little bit of meditation. That was when I first came on with him. I was pretty run down, I think. And that was kind of our first priority was to just get me back to a like high bill of health. So I did a lot of like getting off my feet, meditating, relaxing, letting my body actually heal. Nice. Yeah. Cause I, in the past, I thought that like resting just meant not working out. So my rest days, I would be on the beach playing football in the pool, like just doing stuff, just always go, 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 go. And even if my body wasn't physically exhausted, I think internally I, and my like mind and everything were just uh, nonstop. So he definitely got me to slow down a little bit and, try to focus on some of the internal stuff. And I think that helps. How
0: long do you meditate for? And how it is it daily?
2: Um, I admittedly have not been as good about it. Like it, it I think as with most things, you start really strong and you're really committed to it. And then it fades off a little bit. And I'll still do it now to a, a degree where I feel like healthy doing it. And I want to do it at first when I was doing it, it was like in my programming, like you would have me, I think it was at least once a day, just in the middle of the day, sit down or lay down for like 15 minutes. I had a couple of guided meditation things, kind of like Headspace. I don't know if you've ever heard of that app.
1: Yeah, very
2: very similar to that and was doing that. And then eventually, once it wasn't in my program anymore, and he kind of trusted me to do it, um, I would just do counted breathing. And I think meditating can be a weird term for some people. So for me, it was just laying down and kind of controlling my breathing. So doing like diaphragmatic breathing, trying to breathe in through my belly to like a, a four count, hold for a couple of seconds, exhale for another four count and hold that out and just repeat that cycle for whatever, set a timer for 10 minutes or don't even set a timer, just do it until you feel like you're relaxed and then kind of get up and keep moving.
1: It's not it's not an easy thing to do, is it? No. It's funny yeah, like it's how, not... how difficult it may actually be.
2: For sure, it is. Your mind is always wondering, so it feels good when you can actually get it to slow down for a while.
1: And you, you've actually found success with um, with incorporating those practices?
2: I don't know. Maybe. I, I hope so. but um, I
1: <laughs> You don't feel like a new man afterwards, necessarily?
2: Not necessarily. And I have a hard time with that, yeah. too. I've always had a hard time with anecdotal, like, oh, I take this product and all of a sudden this happens, and uh, or I tried doing this and, yeah, I made a huge change. I think everything probably adds up little by little and leads to a, a greater good. So hopefully that was a part of all that.
1: All right well, so then let me let me take this opportunity then to hijack this pat and kind of go, go way back because i i'm fascinated i love i mean storytelling is what we do, and your story to me is is fantastic right at at one point you were a volunteer at the CrossFit games right yes sir and then you or, or at regionals, regionals right was it regionals it was, regionals, yeah, no, pardon it, was
2: me. it was regionals in two thousand eleven I was a volunteer moving weights around and stuff
1: so what we've never really dug into, I mean, so from volunteer at the regionals to, uh, you know, top five athlete at the CrossFit games, it's just, you, you couldn't tell a better story. Right. Um, but what were you like before that? Were you, were you a volunteer who could have almost made it to regionals or like, how good were you at that point in time? Cause your rise has been astronomical, you know, to, to get, to get that good, that quick. Um, how good
2: were you at that point in time? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough question. I, like, I remember, and back then everything was different, but I remember at regionals in 2011 with one of my buddies, Tyler, we were volunteering, and uh, we had helped set up the pull-up rig, or move something, and the floor was empty, and while we were out there, I was like, oh, this is so cool, I'm on the regionals floor, like, I'm going to do a couple pull-ups, and <laughs> at at that point in time, I was still figuring out the butterfly pull-ups, and I remember just them being, like, really jerky and bottoming out and not quite having the rhythm down. But that was 2011. I don't know. like, I don't think most people had their butterfly pull-ups down yet. So, um,
1: Yeah, it was like it was like just invented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, oh, yeah, right? brand new.
2: Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how soon after that it was that I started getting really good. I mean, I always had these guys to compare myself to down here in Miami because Guido was the first person that I had ever known that was like a – a regionals level athlete, so getting to work out with him a bunch, Gideon get Max. Um, getting to work out with Guido was awesome. He was kind of a, a gauge, and then we would have our friends come down often. That you guys may have heard of before. Chase Daniels competed at the games yeah. a bunch back in the day. Jared Davis mm-hmm. and John Adams, the Team Hustle Hard, has been to the games a few times. So all those guys would come down at least once a month for the entire weekend, and we would just do these throwdowns, like. I think people did this more back in the day, which is unfortunate that it doesn't happen as much anymore, but they would show up on Saturday morning, we would just write down like eight workouts on the whiteboard, do four of them on Saturday, four of them on Sunday, and everybody would go home, and they used to make a joke about overtraining, like if you didn't overtrain by the end of Sunday, then you didn't (laughs) do it right, so, um, but getting to work out with all of those guys back in 2011 and 12, I just constantly was able to I was trying to catch up to them and catch up to them and catch up to them and just be able to do the same weight as them and then be able to do as many reps as them. And I think around then, and I I probably have video of it, like of open workouts where I finally started slowly catching up. And we joke about it now, Guido and I, he used to beat me in everything, obviously, back when I was this 19, 20 year old kid working out with him. And it started happening slowly, like kind of one or two at a time where I beat him on, I think I remember the first workout. We probably have a video of that one too, but I beat him once and it was just this weird, like everybody (laughs) made fun of him for the week. (laughs) And then it kind of slowly just started happening more and more. And, uh, I don't know that's, it's, it's happened slowly, you know, I, it seems like it happened really quickly, but for me, in the moment, it was happening way too slowly. Like, I wanted to go to the games already in 2011. I was very impatient, and I wanted to be there already. But uh, when you look back at it and zoom out and say, yeah, man, it, you made the games in after, like, three years of doing this, not a lot, right. a lot of people are, are doing that anymore. So it feels fast now, but then it felt way too slow.
0: And, and sure. you know, Rory, it's, it's, since you rewound the clock a little bit here to 2011 talking about the story of you know the the Noah Olsen that we know these days you know back then you know you're grinding you're putting in the work you finally you get to the games and in, in 2014 amazing you take top 10 you finish 8th start to get known a whole heck of a lot more you finish 8th again the next year in 2015 and it's funny you know I I do my homework for these things I chat to other people and when I chat to other people I say hey tell me about Noah I get, I'll, I get enough people that I have to believe it's true. Saying this is just one of the most genuinely nice people, you know, one of those people you don't know what to make of him because he doesn't have a bad bone in his body, rarely upset. That I have to believe it. I hear it enough that I have to believe it. But we all remember years ago. I don't want to say you had a public image issue, but people didn't see that that Noah that everyone says exists. They saw this. You know, young kid that came up and started crushing things and people were like, this kid's got a chip on his shoulder. This kid's got an attitude. I don't know what his deal is, but there's just something about him that doesn't rub me right. As you've developed over the years as an athlete and, you know, just as a person, do you reflect back on that as, uh, is that solely a misunderstanding of the community didn't see you right? Was it uh, partially them, partially how you carried yourself? I mean, what's your hindsight on that?
2: First of all, I love that it has, I guess, changed and transitioned over to the not a bad bone in my body because I try to take all those out of there. But I don't know. I think it was a little bit of both where, like you said, it was that I had this pretty quick rise that all of a sudden I was doing really well. I was still pretty young. And so for some other people, maybe they didn't I don't know if they didn't like that or or what. And but I think for me, too, maybe I got wrapped up in this and, and tried to be like like, I, I've heard people say that if you want to, like, be in first, you have to believe that you're the best or whatever, and so I think I tried to make myself believe that I was the best, and I was this, like, prodigy or whatever, and and maybe that did, was a blend of both, and I'm glad now, though, that it has transitioned over. I, I, I do just want to be remembered as a good dude, and uh, like I said earlier, use the platform that I've been able to develop through CrossFit for for good stuff, you know. I, I'm big time into like just positivity and smiling and easygoing and. Here, here's
1: part of it, like like you went to the U, baby. Like <laughs> yeah, you know people people. There's a different like it's a different culture down there altogether, here's- right? And we've got, the CrossFit community period is such a mishmash of. Um, the europeans are they've got european culture you go there different things are cool people say things in different ways there's nuance to it for sure and um so yeah i i i think you um you got dealt an unfair hand in that sense too, yeah. you know but but there is also you know you were young and um and there's a fine line i said this back then actually there's a there's a difference between cockiness and confidence and I think you were learning that, you know, I think that that's, that's just my input. And again, I'm an impartial observer just watching you guys loving loving the performances
0: regardless, but, it, but I, it, I think it begs the question, right? Cause you touched on it a second ago to be great. Like they often say like champions don't have balance in their life. The greats don't have balance. Like, I mean, to be amazing at this sport or any other sport to a degree, don't you have to be a little bit selfish? a little bit self-focused and be like, no, you know, I've got to train. I need to eat this. I need to do this, what I'm doing. So to a degree, I mean, can you rise to the top without a little bit of that in your life?
2: Yeah, I definitely believe that you do have, there are those elements of making sacrifice and you hear people talk about that all the time and being selfish. And uh, I, as much as it may be bad for my CrossFit career, I do try to maintain like life balance you know I I love my girlfriend and I I want her to be happy and I want our relationship to be awesome so if I am not able to like do date night or go out and do this for her or us and just because I'm training and then I don't know it just doesn't feel good and then if I don't feel good and she doesn't feel good then my training is going to feel bad and like I'd rather everything outside of the gym be awesome so that when I get into the gym it can be awesome too Yes, I don't, I, there's a learning curve love there. Yeah, no,
1: I love. Well, here's two. Here's two things that these two conversations mesh perfectly for me because I love what you're saying because you're completely bucking what a lot of people are are you know saying. Hey, you have to do this. This is the thing that you have to do. Um, going back to that conversation about um, people's perceptions and um, and image, I think that at that point in time, what well, I've seen interviews with you where at that point in time, like that bothered you badly, right? And I and I wonder if um, how much do people's perception of you affect the way that you carry yourself? Does that does that make sense? Yeah, like, no. How much does that stuff matter to you? I
2: understand what you're saying, and it used to a lot more. I think um, I would get those negative comments, and it would really, really dig at me, and it would bother me for like the rest of the day. I was like, "What did that person mean when they said that?" <laughs> and and now it's just it's funny because. If you go through, uh, say you post a video that gets a lot of attention and it gets 100 comments, right? And 98% of them are, this is awesome, sick, you're a beast, you're amazing, you're my idol. And then two people are like, you're an idiot, this is stupid, bad form. Right. And you like breeze through all the other ones and you're like, what the, why would that person say that? Like That one person, yep. I don't know why, that that used to stand out to me a lot more and now... I, I don't know if it's that I don't care anymore or I just have learned to like laugh at it, but I don't let that stuff bother me as much at
0: all anymore. Good for you.
1: Which is hard, which is hard. Yeah. Good for you. But It's hard to do. I mean, it's easier said than done, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. I I try to like almost turn it around on somebody and, and not like make fun of them, but just make them feel bad for saying something bad. You know, I, I can't think of like a, an example of it off the top of my head, but
1: I'll give you a great one if you want it. You have one. Yo yeah, I got one. What do you got? <laughs> I, I posted, a, I posted a video the other day, and uh, I'll tell you Pat's, I'll tell you Pat's method too in a second. Uh, but I posted a video of me uh, trying to flip a kettlebell, uh-huh. and it it was 150 I pounder, so I'm kind of proud of it. it Did you broke. see that one? Yeah, it Bounces, off. breaks, and uh, you know, it's just being a jackass, but it's having a blast. Right. And uh, could care less if anybody thinks I'm stupid. But these two, this person on my Facebook page wrote. Um, I don't know how Pat feels about I, he doesn't he doesn't love cussing so we can bleep this out okay. if we need to. but he goes he, go, he what do you call he call me He's like are what what a fuckwit oh. and he tags his and he tags his girlfriend or wife in it or whatever and they're clearly CrossFitters yeah because I click on the profile because it's a public domain and uh, I love it when people are like oh why'd you do all that detective work and I'm like no your your name's there I just clicked on it. <laughs> yeah that. it's so easy and I. And to your point, I wrote to them and I was like, "Hey, so and so and so and so seems like you're really changing the world, making it a better place. Like, have a great day." Right. Yeah. They they delete they delete their comments. You know, they withdraw it and then direct message me, um, "Hey, man, don't take that comment the wrong way." <laughs> how can you? And I'm not, like, how can you know, there's yeah, how only one, way, you to take take there's, cool one way to take it? There is one way to take it. That's it. And uh, so no, I, I totally get it. And I, I try and use positivity as well, but but I it's it's tough, man. Like you see something negative said about you. The limelight's great, right? How amazing is it that you get to compete in fitness for a living and I'm sure do really cool things, Super travel cool. to cool places. Yeah. see the pictures you put up there, but it does come with that side of it where it's like I'm subjected to internet idiots sometimes and yeah. um, everybody's got access to a keyboard. Pat's got a, big, a great method on Instagram. I'm actually jealous of it. I'm, I'm trying to catch up. Can I
2: slide in and just give you one more Please? example Please. of that? Because I, I just thought write. of a really funny one. Um, first of all, it made me think of like you said when you can just click on the person and see there have been people that like say these really uh demeaning whatever just terrible things for no reason, and then you click on their page and it's like their thing says something like devout Christian, God first, father, whatever, right. pictures of them with like holding their baby. And you're like, what, what kind of example is that?
0: They're just eviscerating <laughs> you.
2: I don't know. That
0: was unexpected. Yeah, yeah. So that
2: was one. And then the the direct example, and I could probably find it. I'll try to pull it up, but I posted something. I don't remember what it was, like a photo or video. And some kid com- commented like, um, Something, something, little, I, I don't I don't want to say the word either, um, but whatever, super negative comment, and I said something along the lines of like, I don't know, like joking about it, not being nice or something, and the kid wrote back and was like, oh my God, Noah Olson, please follow me. Like deleted his comment and wrote, Noah Olson, you commented, <laughs> please follow me. Like, are you that's probably not the best way to call somebody whatever you said and then try to get them to go I just it's funny that people have that little mask on until you pull the mask off and then all of a sudden they're backtracking uh,
0: you know can you kind of staying on this topic can you be yourself um you know because now you're not just you are noah olsen okay but you represent more. Okay, I'm still Pat Sherwood, but when somebody sees me in the airport and stops me, they don't stop me because I'm Pat Sherwood, they stop me because I represent CrossFit HQ. And so whatever I say if I'm in a good mood or bad mood, they also see as a representation of CrossFit HQ. And so there is a loss of privacy sometimes like that. So, can you totally be yourself in your public persona on social media or is it, you know, I got these sponsors, I got these other stuff and I'm myself, but I'm
2: myself with some borders and some boundaries. Yeah, totally. I think that that's an awesome way to put it because there, there definitely is some stuff that's doled out. And and everybody says that Instagram is like, a, it's just the highlight reel, right? It's all the positive stuff. And people aren't going to put a picture of themselves frowning like I had a terrible day today. Right. And so um, I think a lot of it is the good stuff. And um, I I definitely bite my tongue like... If there's anything where I have an opinion that I, I'm not super opinionated in the first place, but if there's something where I don't agree, I usually am not going to go out of my way to make that comment just because I it probably is going to be taken in the wrong way by somebody somehow. So it's just not worth it to me, you know? completely completely understand
1: you know so pat's method which you should maybe incorporate it's actually and it's actually the dave castro method as well they have this phenomenal if you look at your instagram i I didn't even know this till dave showed me there's you can find how many people you've blocked okay and dave's dave's block list is like you can scroll through his blocked person (laughs) list for like a day and a half that's awesome i didn't know you and so he'll Dude, he'll even go like if he happens to be on your Instagram and he sees something somebody say something awful, he'll block a person for saying something on someone else's Instagram.
0: Oh, that's yeah me and, or Dave. Well, I don't. You probably do oh, it yeah, too. I'll but yeah, but definitely I all the time if I'm happen to be following CrossFit or Brooke Wells or somebody and I just somebody writes a douchebag comment, I don't even know who they are. Blocked, blocked, blocked. Yeah. I mean, what does
2: that mean? That their comments don't show up to you anymore? They can't,
0: they can't see can't my even profile. See
1: your posts.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: So.
1: And and like uh. Castro's had that he Castro did that because someone commented on Brooke Wells and uh, that person literally who said something negative about Brooke Wells reached out to Brooke Wells and was like, Hey, can you ask Dave to not, to not block me anymore? <laughs> yeah,
2: right. I'm going to go ahead and do you
0: yeah. that favor. <laughs> sure, buddy. The wonderful. The wonderful world of social media. So, I mean, Who's kidding who? You? you know, we have this podcast because of CrossFit. We're talking to you because of CrossFit. You know, oh, we've been talking about we've been talking about getting in your head at the CrossFit Games, and you know, you're training all year to just grind it out. There, we're making media, and it's this huge thing. I, I mean, it's all encompassing, right? I mean, does this at this point in your life, and maybe the answer is yes, and that's fine. Does your performance in CrossFit and at the games define you, or if not? You know, is this just a casual hobby and pastime that you got going on?
2: I think it's a little bit of both that it plays a, a big part in what I'm able to do in my life. So the better that I do in CrossFit, I think the more opportunity it's going to provide and hopefully the, the bigger impact it'll allow me to have on whoever, however. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if I'm not doing well and I fizzle out and whatever, and I don't end up doing crossfit anymore and i find something else to do then um that would be kind of like starting over and, and figuring that out so in the meantime the better i can do the more people will get to see that stuff the more people will want me to come out to their competitions or go to this place and that place and um i don't know if that directly answers your question i kind of forget exactly what it was but
0: you no know, it does you know but uh, i'm curious like Okay, so you had your best finish at the games, even though there's some heartache that you didn't make the podium, it's still your best finish. Like you said, one of your goals was met. But let's say for whatever reason, you know, previously you finished 20, uh, 15th in 2016, you ended at 22nd this year. So you had your worst finish ever. Does, you know, are you then moving forward? Does that impact your life so much that, you know, you're sour around your girlfriend, you're upset around your parents? Because that is such a defining path in your life that has altered other things that you do or does it not have that possession of you?
2: I would hope that it wouldn't change the outside of the gym stuff in that way. I think more so it would change my demeanor inside the gym. Like I just kind of pictured myself in 22nd just being really upset about that and I think that that would just make me reevaluate like what I was doing before, how I was doing it, how I'm going to change things to not continue to do worse. So I think it definitely and that that is pretty much what I did after last year, after finishing 15th, I reevaluated, I decided that I needed a little bit of change. And I went and seeked it out, worked with a couple of different coaches for a while until I settled where I am now. And I think it was a great decision. And it, it ended up paying off. So hopefully that just continues to happen.
1: Were you, can you, can you build that out? Because, uh, well, and let me, let me, let me preface this by saying, uh, there's not a video element to this particular podcast, but if people could see you, not only are you wearing your dope Noah Olson, like lion haired shirt, but you're there sitting also in front of me with a very naked head. And the reason it only, the only reason it breaks my heart is because my last uh, correspondence with you before this was that <laughs> I went to the barber and I was like, Hey dude, hook me up with the Noah Olson. <laughs> and then I, I yeah. write to Noah Olson and I'm like, bro, what's the hair product I need to use for the Noah Olson. And he's like, I tell you, but I just shaved my head. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry and all, all let that, you to, down. no, 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 no. Um, but all that to say that, that you accompanied your explanation of your haircut with, um, with something that was kind of mysterious to me. And you said there were uh, big changes led to great results this year. And there's more on the horizon. So like like um you kind of brushed on that. There were some coaching changes, there were some things you explored, but if you can kind of identify what those changes were and which ones are on the horizon that you're referencing, I'd love
2: to hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. The haircut thing, I don't even know what how that came about. I think if we're being totally honest, and this is probably some extraneous information. So I had like a it's called a hard part where they actually saw it. They put like a little like mini in in the side yep, of your yep. head so that it parts easier. I don't know if you've experienced that. It's like
1: your generation's version of a laser line. That's what we used to get like in the sides back in the day. Okay,
2: so <laughs> probably I had, I had that and it was pretty high up on my head and my barber and I decided that if I moved it over like two inches, it would probably be better off for the way my hair was this is like three months before the game. So we're like, okay, I'm going to stop getting it hard parted in and I'm going to let the side just continue to grow. So it kind of like meshes with the rest of it. And so we were doing that. And uh, just before the games, it had like just kind of started to blend in, but it like wasn't ready. I don't know. It just, I was like, you know what, I just need a a fresh start. Just start that over. um, And we can see if I want to go back and address all that. And it was, I think it was like the Saturday at the games. I said to my girlfriend, I was like, babe, I think when we get home, I just want to shave my head and start fresh. And I said, would you be cool with that? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And right then the decision was made. And when I got home, I I went for it. And uh, it, it was funny at first. I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, no, I hate it. I always <laughs> hate like major haircuts. I don't know if you guys are like that, but like the first. Oh, so you got to grow week, into it. Yeah, like the adjustment period, the first week sucks. And then I was like, oh, this is not so bad. Um, and it's it's getting a little longer. But that was just one change that happened for a couple of different reasons, because I decided to do it during the CrossFit Games. I'm sure part of it had to do with that. Uh, another big change that I already mentioned a little bit before was possibly moving up to Atlanta. And, and that's not really possibly that's like ninety nine point nine percent that we're doing that in like mid November Um That's
1: great. Yeah.
2: And I think that's going to be awesome to be able to work one on one with Max and be able to train every day with Travis. I think that's going to have a huge impact because down in Miami, I am kind of flying solo. I don't have my coach here and there's a bunch of awesome people in the gym, but we just don't link up as often as we should. There's a regional athlete, this kid, Lex Ozias. I trained with him a lot this year leading up. He's awesome. Ali Scuds is a regional athlete as well. Guido, yeah. as you guys know, went to the games in 2012. Masters division this year. But we just, going to the same gym, we'll train together like once a week. And uh, I just think being able to have coach on hand, that is my main priority. A couple of different training partners that are all focused around that. And Max is actually trying to build like a almost an Olympic training center style facility up there where he has some specialist coaches that will like the team he recruited. He put a letter out saying anybody that's a CrossFit games hopeful that wants to move to Atlanta and train with these guys, contact us fill out this form. And so they're building this little mini training group that like Monday at this time, so-and-so will lead us through an only session all together. And then everybody will go finish their individual sessions. Tuesday, we all go to the track and it'll just be like this, uh, this team training for individual CrossFit athletes. So I think, all of that hopefully in terms of performance of the CrossFit Games are going to have a big positive impact.
1: Nice. Do you think uh, is that tenable though? Is it maintainable like to train with those guys all the time or do you think that leads to to burnout? And I'll tell you the the reason I ask uh, it was one of the one of the road to the games episodes and I'm um, actually I'm positive that it was about Brookwell's Cole Sager and catcher David's daughter doing their little fight camp thing that they do pre-games. Uh-huh. And when, when Ben Bergeron was asked, would it be beneficial to have these guys at CrossFit New England on a, on a permanent basis? His answer was no, because they would kill each other. For sure. <laughs> you know, like, even when they're not competing, they're competing, and it'll lead to burnout. So is that something you're, you're I don't know, concerned about? No,
2: absolutely. I, I think that that definitely is a factor. But Max, I really trust his knowledge and the process, and I know that he wouldn't let that happen. Like, he will find ways to have balance where... I've even... I've taken... Throughout this season, I probably went up to Atlanta seven or eight times and spent either, like, a long weekend or two weeks at a time. And every time I was up there, it was a really good blend of, like, hey, this session is on your own. This session is a team workout with this person. This session is head-to-head with all four of these guys. And you're definitely, like, on the long weekends, it was more competitive, so I'd be pretty tired by the end of it. But I know that when I'm up there, it'll be the the right blend and balance of all that. I know um, – Cool. For a period of time, I think it was two years ago. Marcelo Bruno. I don't know if you guys know him from the. Yeah, I know
1: the name. I don't know why. He's
2: yeah. He competes out of Chile. He was in the South Regional. He's a beast. He's just like this jacked guy, he has like buzz side head, ponytail in the middle, with tattoos all over. And he came down to Miami and trained for a month and just was like, "Hey, whatever you're doing, I'm gonna do every single day." And for that month, I was like. Pfft. Pretty broken down by the end of it, because every day we were rep for just rep. Yeah, like, I had that one, and yeah, so it definitely can get tough. But um, I, I think that we'll find the right balance.
0: So I mean,
1: is this it, go ahead, Rob? Sorry, I was just gonna just on that last one with, with Max. Is this the first time you've had a coach that like you put your trust into? No, I, or Sorry, I know I know Dusty is a big part of right, your training. Yeah, but.
2: I don't want to say that this is the first time I've had a coach that I really trust because I really love Dusty. He and I, are Dusty Highlander, are great friends, and he was my coach for like three years. And I think we did a lot of great stuff together. Like while working with Dusty, I made it to the games the first time, had some awesome performances out there, and definitely improved a lot. But like I said before, it was just at a certain point, I... I kind of stopped getting better. You know, I had gotten really good, made it to the games, eighth, eighth, 15th. Like, all right, now I need to change it up. I need something a little bit different. Dusty has done this awesome stuff for me. And we decided, like, to maintain our relationship. We're still good friends. We communicate very often. But I just wanted, like, a fresh set of eyes and a new training stimulus. And um, cool. I, I don't know. I've honestly, as awesome as a coach as, as Dusty is, on a separate accord, I've just never really met anybody like Max. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Max El-Hajj, but he's just a different type of human. He's like intellectually on another level, emotionally. He's just like such a powerful being. Like I feel like he's 100 years old and he's only – I think he just turned 31 somehow, (laughs) but um, he's awesome. And, And we just really quickly hit it off, and I just really trust him a lot. So that's been really good.
0: Outstanding. Yeah. So whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. You've been to the games four times. you you know, you've won the Open. Your career is still on the rise. Out of those four times at the games, three top ten finishes, one top five finish. I mean, that's if your career stopped today, that would be a career that people would kill to have. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So you're doing something right. So for the young kids coming up, you know, the sports becoming more popular, you're successful in CrossFit what are a couple of the habits that you think are really key to your success?
2: That's an awesome question. And I feel like I really should go back because I've been asked that a few times and have like a a real solid answer because there are a lot of things that immediately come into my mind of what has helped me get to where I am. But I need to really sit down and think about it and solidify it. But I mean, like if if I can be any type of inspiration to like those young kids, I feel like that's kind of maybe a, a demographic that I speak to is kids that are in high school or college and maybe don't really know what they're going to do with their lives and really like CrossFit and are thinking about pursuing it. That's that's where I was seven years ago. I just kind of stumbled upon it and decided to really chase it and have gotten to this awesome point. So I think that it is possible for a lot of people, um, things that have helped me get there along the way. The, the right guidance from starting off just having Guido there, somebody that's uh, just a good, good person and also a good athlete. He invested a lot in me and kind of helped me get started. So, I mean, if you can find somebody like that to take you under the wing right away and then get somebody with the brains behind it as well, like a a coach that really knows their stuff, um, I think that that is important. But just uh, obviously the, the hard work and just getting into the gym and getting after it chasing it like if you go in and you're getting hard work i thought there was a secret there's no secret (laughs) no i want the pill everybody knows that now that used to people used to think that there was a secret now everybody knows that there isn't but um i for me competing a lot and getting beat a lot where i think two really good things so that's if i can give advice to people i think if you're young and there's a lot of local crossfit competitions around you because there were a lot of those down here when i was getting started I did so many of those. I made a list actually relatively recently. And before I made it to the CrossFit games, I had done like 42 or like 38 or 42 or something oh, wow. like in local competitions. And obviously you have to find balance there because you don't want to burn yourself out and get hurt and just do too much. But I think getting that exposure, understanding what it's like to compete and being able to push yourself against different people in different environments is really helpful. Um, And then having the Guido, the Chase Daniels, the Jared Davis, having all these guys to chase after is a a big thing. So I know people now are kind of seeking that out. That kid Lex Ozias I mentioned trains Mm -hmm. with me now, moves from West Virginia to Miami to be able to train with us. So more and more, I think people are doing that. People go out to train with Rich all the time, like take advantage of that. And we as athletes, I know I speak for myself, but I think that's awesome. I would love to have somebody to come in and, push me on something you know everybody's going to be good at something versus another so yeah those those are little pieces there
1: there's a lot of meat on that bone i like it a lot um we're gonna so we've um we've rounded an hour so we're gonna hit you with a couple little kind of kind of rapid fire questions just to kind of make sure that we glean as much from your brain as we possibly can cool um my first one is you like pat said you've had an amazing career what Thank for you. you stands out? What is what is what what gives you the most pride and the accolades that you've achieved?
2: I don't think it's happened yet. Like if I had to pick one right now, uh, winning the Open was super cool. Fifth of the games is pretty cool. Um I actually don't know if I'm allowed to say this yet, and maybe you guys can cut this part of it out if I'm not.
1: Say it, yeah, yeah, say it.
2: But being. Uh, able to represent the usa at the crossfit invitational is something that i've wanted to do since the first year that they announced that and i just got the invite to be able to be on team usa so i'm really really excited about that that may be my number one most proud thing so far but like i said i feel like it hasn't quite happened yet so i'll let you guys know next year or two when we talk
0: Well, congratulations on that one. And we're not quite sure when this will be get aired. So it may very well be public knowledge. If not, we'll take care of it. But yeah, congratulations, man. That's a heck of an honor. Yeah, man, I'm
2: pumped. That'll be really cool.
0: And I'm curious. My final question to you is, you know, I've talked to some people interviewing them. I've talked to Ben Smith for a decade. You know, I mean, it's, it's gone beyond casual talking, right? I mean, to I, I know these people and care about these people. And, and as I've talked to them for so long, I'm always curious to what's the end game, what's the exit strategy. So right now you're killing it, you're crushing it. Is it, you know, do you look beyond, okay, one day when I'm no longer competing at the CrossFit Games, I will then do A, B, or C, you know, what I went to college for. I'm going to pursue something else. You know, what do you see as life beyond CrossFit?
2: Right now, it is going to revolve around CrossFit somehow, even the the near and who nice. knows maybe the far future. Um, yeah, because I I feel like we've created this this platform and this thing, and why not take advantage of it? Not not take advantage of a bad way in a bad way, no, of course. I understand.
1: But just to, strike while the iron is hot, yeah. Life. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So uh, starting to develop a couple little things, and it's not all about making money. Like making money is a part of it. I want to set myself and my family up well. For the future, but I also want to give myself a, kind of a platform to make an impact somehow. Whether that's uh, I don't know exactly what it is yet, but um, definitely figuring it out. i I got my hands in a few different things. I'll kind of tell you guys about my one of my best friends started a management group, and he's actually been my manager for a few years, and I'm I'm a part of that management group. So I think eventually once. CrossFit gets bigger and bigger and all these awesome athletes need representation for sponsors and different things, I will be able to help out in that regard in some way because I really do enjoy the like the social media and media aspect behind the scenes of it all. Um, my girlfriend and I, speaking of media and all that stuff, are going to create a website, noelson.com. I was pretty hesitant to do that at first. I thought it was silly. Like, what do I need a website for? Who really cares that much? But I think we're gonna, I'm going to be able to provide some cool content on there. That's one thing. And then uh, another thing that we've just kind of started doing, Guido and myself, were amazing friends and we've started doing a couple different little seminars. So we took our whole coaching staff from Peak to the Dominican Republic and did a seminar down there. Guido and I are about to do a trip out to Europe from Nice, France, down to Barcelona and Spain and do a couple of seminars. So taking advantage of that stuff and travel and making an impact on people is what I'm excited for in the future.
1: Those are the advantages, man. Yes, man. absolutely. Like that, that's for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Take advantage. Um, I've got two for you. Uh, for actually, first of all, over your right shoulder, is this a new pup?
2: That is, uh, we're babysitting for Joanne's parents. They got a new puppy. Coco. Okay. Taking a little nap. And all, over my left shoulder is Max.
1: Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. Recognize yeah. that guy for sure.
2: There
1: he is. Oh, Hey buddy. He's the best. Um, so, what what is one thing that you have never been asked that you wish you had, or something that you don't think that the CrossFit Games fan base knows about you that they that you wish they did?
2: Hmm, it's a good question. One thing that I have never been asked that I wish I had. Um, you got anything, Joanne's hanging out over here. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joanne said you guys are pretty good, so there's probably nothing that I've never been asked. But um, can I ponder? That could be it. I'm gonna can I ponder that yeah, for a little bit while you uh, maybe have ab- another
1: one? That, absolutely, yeah. Um, the uh, well, let's talk about the puppy actually. Okay, because I know he's, he's a big part of your big part of your life and a big big part of. Uh, I don't know, you know, you're always kind of billboarding him and whatnot. Um, how old is he, first of all?
2: Max is yeah. four years old. He's about to be four. His birthday is in November. And, he, yeah, he's he's my dude. He's just... uh you've
1: actually, like... Go ahead.
2: No, good. Sorry, what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to say, you've actually even done some, like, like um, fundraisers for animals and things like that, right?
2: Yeah, we have done a couple of things like that in the past. Um, a couple of t-shirts that we made that had like a... Max t-shirt that had what was it was his face with my hair on his head and like him wearing a tuxedo <laughs> or something like that. And it was it was pretty awesome. But uh, uh some of the money that we raised from that we donated to uh our vet down here for a shelter and but nice. yeah, Max he actually has his own sponsors. He is sponsored by Stop, New, are you serious I swear Nulo is a a pet food company and They sponsor like athletes and their dogs. And so Max and I have been with them for two years, which is pretty awesome. Um, But yeah, that's all there is to it. He's a 95 pound golden retriever and he's just a big old ball of love.
0: He's the dog version of Noah Olson
2: man i really appreciate you saying that because i feel like if i was an animal i would want to be a golden retriever so
0: best compliment i've ever received
2: it really is a good one i'll take it
1: um all right dude this has been fantastic you're gonna um the the uh the question i asked you you'll ponder it and we'll have you back on the show and we'll talk about that perfect tell uh tell people before we let you go where they can find you
2: If they're looking for you. My apartment address.
1: (laughs) Yeah, throw throw it out there. I'm going
2: to keep that one private. But um, all the public stuff on Instagram, it's at N-O-H-L-S-E-N. And then Max's is Maximus Olsen. Um, He's got a little following on there as well. And as I was telling you guys, NoahOlsen.com will probably be up and running relatively soon. So that should have some good stuff on it. Um, Where else can I be found? I Think that's it. I'm on most of the social media. You do it all. You do Instagram, stuff.
1: Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Okay, cool.
2: I actually just am starting to look into my manager's trying to get me on this app called Twitch, which is mostly for gamers, which I oh, dude. I am not. Yeah,
1: that's like the big video gaming thing. Right.
2: But there's like a they're creating like a separate avenue for different sports where there's like live streaming videos and, and I don't know. I think that could be an element that CrossFit maybe gets into pretty soon. So
0: Huh, keep an eye out for that one.
1: I have I have long threatened to start a Twitch account and just get, get paid to play video games. I just haven't done it yet.
2: How awesome is that? That's pretty much what we do, right? <laughs> Their passion is video games. They make money, and I love working out, and I make money off that, so
1: touche. Cool. Um, the uh, the next
0: time I see you will be in Melbourne, dude. I can't wait. Yes, sir. Very excited. Yeah, congratulations once again, man, and uh, appreciate you opening up, and appreciate you just giving your time to us and the community.
2: Of course, man. I was just thinking as you were saying that you've, you get to know us a lot. You guys are always asking us the questions and I feel like people don't get to hear from you guys about you enough. So I don't know. Hopefully that changes relatively soon. Maybe I'll interview you guys if I have a podcast someday.
1: Hey, you, you can interview us in Australia.
2: Perfect. Got it. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> All right.
0: Thank you the so much, switcher, Noah. My pleasure. Have a great one, dude. Talk to
2: you soon.